podcast. I'm your host, Majori, and today we have two very special guests, Michaela and Arthur, who wrote, directed, and acted in one of my new favorite films called Clairvoyance. I'm so excited to talk to them today about the creation of the film and how it got started. So let's get into it. How are you guys? We're so great. Thank you so much for having us. We're just excited to be doing this podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I do want to jump into astrology really quick. I ask all of my guests this. Um, so I want to say, is your sign, Michaela, a Scorpio, like you mentioned in the film? Or oh, is it something I else? I it was. No, I'm not a Scorpio. I'm a Libra. Oh, my God. Okay, awesome. Um, what about you, Arthur? What is your sign? I'm a Leo. You're Leo? Okay, well, happy yeah. Leo season. So your Thank birthday you very much. Uh, is coming up, right? Yeah, did... August 7th. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's actually so crazy. So my grandma, her birthday is August 7th, and me and her, we're like, we're like this. Like, we're super yeah. close. And she's an actress, too, like kind of like local theaters in Michigan. So it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Wait a minute. That's so cool. Arthur, did you know it was Leo season? I mean, I know, I'm aware. Oh, you know? Fantastically oh, okay. aware. Oh, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. And then today um, is actually a full moon in Aquarius. Good cosmic energy all around. Okay, good. I'm, I've been feeling it, honestly. So that's, yeah? that's good. Although I'm worried season? I won't be able to sleep tonight. So we'll see. <laughs> be like some howling, some people howling in California at the moon. <laughs> yeah, well, that would accept. Exa- oh, man, were those people that whole time? Could be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but actually, Michaela, my sister's a Libra, too. Her birthday's October 14th. So oh, nice. Yeah, us Libras, um, we are very similar. Like, it's crazy how true astrology is, you know? Like, you don't think mm-hmm. it necessarily holds up, but then you meet another Libra, and they're like, can you decide anything? <laughs> no, I can't decide anything either. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I feel like Libras, they're just like super friendly, nice. Same with like Leos. I'm an Aries, so we're like, we're all pretty compatible. But I think like Leos and Libras have like some of the best energy like in the Zodiac. So I think that's awesome. That's a big compliment. I'm glad. I feel like Leos uh, get some hate or I'm not sure. There's not hate. There's just an undertone of hate uh, whenever Leo stuff comes up on like Instagram memes and stuff. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, lately we've been getting research, so maybe, maybe, maybe I'm I'm thinking outdated stuff right now. Yeah, yeah, I feel like maybe there's some jealousy at the Leos because Leos are like really cool, and people like want to be like Leos. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's where Ooh. the hate, the insta hate, comes from. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, let's go with that. That that, that sounds. <laughs> I'll, about I'll take right. that. Dude. That <laughs> yeah. sounds fine by me. <laughs> So, yeah, before we dive into the film, I just want to talk about your background and how you two met and how you got started in film and acting. Yeah. Um, so me and him are actually dating and we met on Tinder. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, which, uh, was not, which was not a plan. We were not like, oh, I want a writing filmmaking partner. So I'm going to find a significant other who does the same thing as me. Like that was not, that was just totally a side effect of our relationship like we did not start working together until a couple years into into dating honestly it's like we resisted it almost because it just seemed too good to be true you Mm -hmm. know we were trying to do our own things and uh i don't know 
Yeah. And I've, I had never written with people before. I find that it's, it's really difficult to write with people because a lot of times when I would like have a writing session with a friend of mine, they would just kind of take the reins and write most of it. And whenever they asked for input, I'd be like, oh, maybe we should change this. And then they would just be like, yeah, no, we're going to do it my way, which is fine. Like some people just, you know, that's, that's totally fine. But I didn't find it to be an enjoyable experience. So I was kind of holding off and working with him. And then we realized that we work super well together. Well, it's easy because your ideas are so good. And that's about all Thanks. I need to say about that. Like, honestly, like, like, you know, I've worked with a lot of people too. And it just doesn't compare. Yeah. It's just, it just does not compare at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really nice when you find someone you can creatively collaborate with and also who understands, like kind of like speaks your own language. So that's, that's really awesome. Because yeah, sometimes you either have friends or just like, people like in your circle and you're like, oh yeah, like we get along, this would be so great. And then it's just like, there's a disconnection or like leadership, like, you know, incompatibility. So that's really cool that, you know, together you also kind of find that uh, unison there. You know, I know that Tinder doesn't seem like the most romantic or fateful sort of thing. But when I think about just like giving it up to a bunch of ones and zeros and a bunch of electricity and some circuits, maybe that is a little... Maybe there is a little something spiritual. Because I don't know, man. Michaela and I, I don't know. I've never met anybody like Michaela. So, you know. And maybe that's just, maybe maybe there's just so little. Yeah, thanks, Tinder. Maybe there's just so little in the way uh, Mm -hmm. over over the internet that like, you know, in terms of like getting any, there was no resistance energetically or anything. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. Super weird. Uh, So, yeah. But I have been thinking about it lately. And I just thought that it was maybe used as an agent of... uh, Destiny. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's really interesting, like with like the apps and just like this whole social movement, um, with social media, it's just really cool how you can just find so many people you would have never maybe connected with, like in your everyday. And like even for me, like a lot of my friends, especially my witchy spiritual friends, are from Instagram. And finding out that a lot of them live in New York. And so like, we'll DM each other. Like we met through DM and then (laughs) like we're meeting in real life. So I do like that. And it kind of takes away maybe some obstacles or some pressure, um, at least in like for my community, because it's like, oh, we're into the same thing. So we kind of like already have something in common. That's so great. Especially when you guys already live in New York City. I feel like there's so many people there. So it's so easy to find people who have similar interests to you and then you find out you live in the same place. So it's like, why not meet up? You know, a stranger's only a stranger until you meet them. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's really great. Exactly. And the cool thing about New York too, is that you're never more than 40 minutes away from somebody, even if you're in like Queens, mm-hmm. you know, like you're never that it's not like LA, you know? So like, yeah. that's kind of cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, so a Tinder, so faded together by Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) We are a walking advertisement. (laughs) So um, your journey into film, did you both study film um, or was this kind of something like like a little DIY thing that you picked up along the way and kind of mastered over time? Kind of tell me about that film journey for both of you. Arthur had a, a crazier journey with filmmaking than I did. So do you want to go first? I don't know. I mean, I just kind of always wanted it and didn't really think I was going to do anything else. Like from when I was like, you know, really young. And uh, then I started making movies at home, you know, when I was like, I don't know, 13. And he then, his first feature when he was like 15. That's true. That <laughs> oh, wow. Happen. Yeah. Um, well, you know, my family was supportive, um, you know, and uh, 
despite it being like complicated or whatever, like we still like, we still had our misadventures and we made our, our, our first film. And then that kind of got a little bit of attention and they got some help from some random people uh, who helped me make my next film, um, you know, which was nice. And uh, the one thing is, uh, you know, you, you kind of think that you need, it was nice doing the first film with my family because it's just like everything felt possible. And then you come to LA and then you feel like you have to do films within boxes. You need money, you need this, you need that. And then doing Clairvoyant with Michaela. Dude, I mean, we were little pirates. We were gremlins. <laughs> we didn't have a permit. We didn't ask for permission. We were just ready to apologize after we got caught. That was mm-hmm. like the MO of the movie. And that was like, that. that's honestly, that was more free than when I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. even when I was a kid, we were more careful than on Clairvoyant. And it was mm-hmm. awesome, you know? And we didn't do anything dangerous. I mean, when we talk about permits, I just mean, like, filming on the sidewalk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, but, like, in L.A., that can be, you know, that can get you in some trouble. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we just did it. And even, even like, cops would see us and they would not bother us. Like, there was something about Clairvoyant, man. Mm-hmm. We just got away with everything. There was no problems, you know? Awesome. Anyways, that's me. Uh, but yeah, I started when I was a kid and I'm still going and it's really fun. And we didn't, I didn't study. I didn't go to college. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. the important one. Just, just watched a lot of movies and uh, watched a lot of movie reviews. Just kind of learned by, I guess, stealing other people's opinions and then yeah. eventually forging our own opinions based off of theirs. Yep. Mm-hmm. YouTube so is really your yeah, friend. Exactly. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> you. Yeah. Oh, for, I, I didn't know if I was answering to, um, for me, I, uh, I'm an actor primarily and I kind of always identified as just an actor cause I didn't think I'd be good at anything else. But then eventually I got so sick of not getting hired that I had to make my own movie. Like, it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like, I've been here for years. I'm not a serious actor still. Like, something has to give. So I'm mm-hmm. really grateful that I got pushed into the point where I uh, gave, <laughs> gave up in a way. Not, I didn't give up. But, like, I got pushed in so hard that I was like, I need to figure this out and do something that really excites me on my own. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, I was doing a day job at the time. Dude, she's so good at all those. I mean, obviously, the acting you saw. Mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. literally you know some critics are saying like best performance of the year like whatever very cool but she edited the whole thing and she'd never edited a movie before <laughs> and she edited it better than like people who like i worked with who have you know i can't be too specific about mm-hmm. their awards but huge awards mm-hmm. you know and like yeah. really well known and worked with top people work with like whatever companies i also won't mention <laughs> you know and like she was better she was better. And she just had that locked away. Thank you. You know, it's really crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And yeah, like definitely like everything from like the writing, the acting, the like production editing of it is incredible, which is why I love this film so much. And I love hearing your stories too. And I definitely feel like there's something about, especially in a lot of creative fields, you just kind of have to go against these I don't know if it's kind of like these corporate pressures or these capitalistic pressures, like you have to have this degree, you have to do things like this type of way. And just, I feel like with just creativity, you have to just express yourself and just go ahead and do it. And, you know, you'll find your own way. So, okay. Was Clairvoyant inspired by Vanessa Flo yoga class? (laughs) 
Oh, that'd be so funny if it was just the exact same story as Claire, like Michaela went to yoga and then had the idea. I wish, I wish I could say that. No, it was actually inspired. It was inspired by so many different things, like 10 different things that kind of all came together. Looking back on it, like, I don't know if any of those pieces were missing. I don't know if we would have made it. Um, well, a large one was the acting class I was in because uh, all the actors came from that class. Another one was a documentary that we had seen. Um, it was inspired by that. It was inspired by Mark Duplass. It was inspired by just like so many different things. Not a yoga class, unfortunately, but an acting class. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the acting class, I mean, the, the thing that, when you think acting class, you think acting. Uh, that's not what this class was. Uh, this class was like, all about self-annihilation and um, crazy. Just basically it was Ayurveda. It was basically just super duper spiritual stuff, you know, and, and one person's interpretation. That was the fun part is this one person's interpretation of all those things that he'd learned over 40 or 50 years. And, uh, and it was wild. I don't know, man. Yeah. It sent me spiraling because he had these crazy ideas about the universe and, like, I, I don't know, um, gosh, you probably haven't even heard this, but he said that the universe, like, started with the hit of a gong and that, like, nothing exists and all this stuff. And I was like, I really want to, I was really craving the desire, like, I really wanted to get things right. So I was like, I need to get to the bottom of this. I need to hear what he's saying and I need mm -hmm. to make sense of it and I need to figure out what the meaning of life is. And if it's true that the universe started with the strike of a gong and that nothing exists and it was driving me crazy because like, why wouldn't that drive someone crazy? Like that's mm -hmm. an insane idea to be presented with. So I basically like in the process of making clairvoyant, I was taking the ideas that I was hearing in class and like making fun of them slash making sense of them. So it was a very real spiritual journey in that way as well. Cause it was, you know, very inspired by the spiritual events that were happening in real life. So. Mm -hmm. And what you'll see, you know, like I feel like the East coast has like you use the word witchy. And I feel like East Coast has a lot of uh, a tendency to talk about things in a witchy way. Witchy has a connotation that's kind of fun, kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. In L.A., things are a little different in the spiritual community. I'm sure you've <laughs> seen it. I'm sure you will see it. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot about, I feel like everything in all the spiritual stuff in L.A. boils down to getting your own personal satisfaction and your own selfish sort of <laughs> validation mm -hmm. via everything, all the, all the spiritual stuff. Uh, and you know, and that in LA, man, you can't, you, you know, we had to make sense of it all too. Cause I feel like so many people had said so many things and it was driving me crazy as well. It had been, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't know. And, and I always, you know, you always see somebody and they say something and you wonder, are they happier than me? Do they know are more they than, me? than me? Are they yeah. better than me? This was mm -hmm. a big one. Yeah. I was know? taking it all as gospel. I was yeah. like, he says it, I trust it. <laughs> and then like what's wrong with me so no like what's wrong with me why can't i just understand and accept understand. yeah i'm too stupid to understand that like the world does not exist and that matter is imaginary but who's imagining it no one nothing because nothing exists but a gong did happen but the mm -hmm. gong is nothing and it becomes this massive yeah it was crazy it was like a <laughs> mental rubik's cube it was insane you know? Yeah. I feel like there's so much, um, you kind of have to find your way through it all. And if you can't, I mean, there's no like answer to like, 
enlightenment or understanding like, you know, different practices. But like for me throughout my journey, I just found like astrology and tarot were kind of like the main ones I really liked to like focus on and I understood and felt connected with. But yeah, I've been to a lot of meditation retreats. I've been spent some time in California and LA and can see like there's so much information. You're just like, okay, like what is real? Are these people whose advice is valid? And how does that relate and connect to me? And how can I use it to be useful? <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely all of these people who are going around and scamming her. They all, um, a lot of them are coming from a bad place, ironically. Like, Claire is coming from just as bad of a place sometimes as these people are. Like, everyone's complicated and no one's 100% right all the time. You know, some of these people who maybe have some bad ideas also do offer Claire like a nugget of wisdom that she can Mm -hmm. then take and use to (laughs) further her journey. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, I got scammed right before we made Clairvoyant, even just not in the scammy bit, you know, and Mm -hmm. they gave me some good advice, even though it was definitely a scam. Like, you know, yeah. (laughs) We do. We love tarot. Tarot, by the way, that stuck out to me that you said that. You mentioned that you got scammed. So I kind of want to hear about that. Cause I also, before I started teaching tarot and was like really immersed in that world, I also got scammed. So I like to hear the scam stories. <laughs> oh, wow. I want to hear that too. I want to hear that. Wait, okay. You say how you got scammed first. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, I was living in Astoria at the time. This was when I first moved to New York. So this was like 2014 and Astoria is um, in Queens. And there was like this little shop on the corner. It was like crystals and like psychic stuff. And I was always really interested in tarot and I been studying astrology since I was 12. So I kind of knew about that, but I'm like, okay, what is tarot all about? And I was going through a breakup, like super emotional, which is you should never go when you're super emotional. That is just like, <laughs> like warning number one. And she kind of took advantage of my vulnerability and was like, oh my gosh, you have like all these crazy things. There's like a curse on you. You need crystal therapy to like get the curse off of you. And it's going to cost you like another like $200 to have this done. And she was kind of right on one thing in a way, but she's like, oh, I see you like uh, living in California. And then she was like saying all this like crazy stuff, but I actually just came back from a trip in California. So maybe she was onto something there, but everything was just so obnoxious and it made me feel worse after. And I was like, never again. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's a curse on me. I don't think I need like a bunch of crystals for $200 to like help me <laughs> like, <laughs> like get it off of me. So yeah, I just kind of felt like yeah, I just wasn't legit. And now when I like read tarot, I, that's like what I don't do is like put that negative, like project that negative energy onto someone for money, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That's a good rule of thumb is to not go when you're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't go when you're trying to have someone else fix you. Yeah. Um, exactly. But something similar actually happened to Arthur with the so anyways, same thing, a curse. They said he was cursed. Cursed. Um, Crystals. Negative energy. Got to get the curse exact off. Same, same type of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luckily, she was wrong too, because she said that we were. If she was right, we would have broken up like four years ago. Yeah, we were already due for a breakup, and that didn't happen. So well, no, that's the funny part is that like she did the thing, and um, she uh, I don't know if she she made me like did she did they put the blanket on you when they did the crystal stuff so that you started sweating a lot. I had no, I never heard of Dude, that. <laughs> that so she put this crazy. blanket on me. I swear to God, this was like a weighted, <laughs> weighted wool blanket or something. 
And, you know, it's in LA. So it's already 90 degrees outside. She put like a fire in the corner. Like, so anyways. She's making you sweat it out like I'm a essentially fever? sweating out a fever. <laughs> and I just start treating it that way. Where like, because mm-hmm. at this point I'm down for her scam. I believe it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's the same thing, tarot into crystals, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sweating it out. I'm thinking, she tells me what to think about. She's like, and she's just, it's, it's like, her, by the way, her like kid is in the room as well. And she has like, oh my gosh, she has, like, yes. A pram like she had a daughter. With the baby. Yeah. No, no. I'm in the, like, she lives in the studio. Mm-hmm. And then she has like a baby like over there. And crying I suppose like crying and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. It's cool. I think she changed the diaper while I was, I could smell something. So, <laughs> oh anyway. That was your first thing. <laughs> but she your told body. me, yeah, no, but she told me to like breathe in and out through my nose. So it was like, <laughs> thanks for nothing. Anyways, so um, I'm there. I'm like, and I'm fully clothed, by the way, I'm like fully in jeans with like a, you know, a shirt on. She didn't tell me to strip or anything. So, anyways, I'm drenched. And I guess I'm like invoking, I'm inducing like a state of being that I'm not mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's going on with me. And she's like, okay, so now just think about how you want to be different. And then she leaves. You're like, I can and do this on my own. For an hour, she leaves. <laughs> and I, and then I first, for the first 10 minutes, I'm like, hmm, I could do that anytime. I do that every day. I do that in the shower every day. Okay. <laughs> so how dare you? But mm-hmm. then I was like, Arthur. You know, you're not a positive person. Just like be positive and really think about it. Mm-hmm. So I did. I did for 50 minutes, sweating my ass off while she's changing the diaper. The TV was on, by the way. There was a TV on. She was straight chilling. She was straight chilling in the corner. <laughs> Easiest money ever. I know. And, and so then like she, she comes in, she takes like everything off of me. And she's even surprised by how much I've sweated, which is like, <laughs> come on, man. That was, like, at is, least make me feel comfortable. Yeah, like, this is all your, your No, literally, she's sweating me. She's like, oh, you were warm. I was like, yeah, dude, you put a blanket on me. Exactly. And there's a freaking fire in the court. Anyway, so, you know, she's like, so how do you feel? And I'm like, you know, I, I really never thought about it this way, but like, I just... I feel really positive and I feel like I can do a lot and I can change. I really thought about it and I was like, there's no reason. I'm just perpetuating these cycles. And I just go on, you know, mm-hmm. basically say some true shit. And yeah. she's and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear you. You're wrong. That's not it. That's oh not God. it at all. It didn't and work. It didn't work. I'm so sorry. The t- it's still on you. The curse is still on you. And, and the thing I like about the scam is that I got to maybe for like first time, Stop mm-hmm. deferring authority to someone who I've paid money to. Mm-hmm. Stop de- deferring authority to pretty much anybody but myself. I was just like, you know what? I know how good I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm right. And I was. And it worked out. So I got I mean, That's not even the scam I wanted to mention. But I'm not going to go so long. I went into a seminar and I got scammed there too. But, you know, yeah. It, it was like she scammed me. And it ended up being really good for me because I made the most of it and I got something out of it that was like, I guess, my own independent uh, validation thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, by realizing that you got scammed, you were able to then derive something positive, but it wasn't from her, it was from yourself, you know? Like you didn't Mm -hmm. need an authority figure. That's great. So it actually wasn't a scam, it actually worked. Yeah, she knew exactly what she was doing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was her plan all along. Yeah, every experience teaches you something, but that's, yeah, that's a hilarious story, but it's kind of crazy, the similarities too. So, but yeah, so kind of jumping back into the film. So how long did it take you to write and 
I guess, like, create the script for clairvoyance? It was so fast. Like, it was just, we, we watched the documentary that inspired it, and um, I kind of started uh, parodying it. I started making fun of it a little bit uh, on the ride home. And then we got, we got back home and I kept going and I was like coming up with this character. And then Arthur was like, stop doing this character. I'm going to go get a camera tomorrow. And then we're going to actually film it and we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to make it a movie. So like, hold it, save it for the camera. We're going to do this tomorrow. So then um, it pretty much started with a, we just plopped the camera down in the bedroom and we just press record. And I just improv for like, 12 hours a few times like we just had like really long improv days um with the camera you know we would stop to change the battery stop to get some starbucks that was pretty much it uh Mm -hmm. for probably two or three days and then once we had that outline of claire's interview segments then we were able to build a plot around that um but it was really fast i mean we only wrote for after we had the interview segments all laid out we only wrote for like a week or two and then we just started filming right yeah and even then the writing was just outlines just Mm -hmm. bullet points themes that we wanted to hit up and we kept it super duper loosey-goosey so that then when you know she went in when claire came out then claire got to just kind of direct the movie where she wanted to go as did the 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 actors who were who were being interviewed Mm -hmm. you know that stuff was insane. I mean, they were saying perfect. I didn't even brief them on what they were supposed to say a lot of the time. And they would say either exactly what I wanted to say, them to say or a better version of it that mm-hmm. gave us even more ammunition to do more with the movie. Yeah, it wasn't a standard script. We, we only uh, kind of jotted down the outline of each scene and then we would film it like that maybe twice. And then we would just tell the actors to use the outline of what we wrote and to improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everyone was so amazing. Like they were, was so they were bringing in so much stuff to the table that we would not have had if we were the only ones controlling the writing. Mm-hmm. So it was just great that all the actors came in. Like, I don't know, the ether was coming through them. They were, they were helping <laughs> our movie out. <laughs> For real. No, no. It was, it was, I really, like, the most I had to do would, like, would be to bark out one or two things that I wanted them to to say that would direct the conversation. But it was like just planting a seed and then letting them go. And man, I mean, we really didn't, it could not have turned out better. I'm still amazed. I still watch it and I'm amazed by some of these people because they're writing it themselves, apparently, like pretty much essentially Mm -hmm. as they're going. So they were just saying, you know, and then we built the the rest of the, the plot around some of what they said, around some of Claire's reactions to them. Yeah, we were uh, making it as we went. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, because I was wondering as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, like how much of a script was this or was most of it improv or like in the moment? So it's like kind of, yeah, it's really interesting to hear that, especially if the actors, I was like, this is just so organic and awesome. So that's really cool. Is there a part of the film where you're like, okay, this is going to be maybe more challenging to film, um, maybe like the woods part. When I saw the woods part, I was like, okay, <laughs> are you going to get lost? Like, what about the car? Is the car going to get stolen? Like, I know, was there kind of like some more difficult scenes? I'm glad that you were feeling like the energy of the film was uh, turning into an I- like a real idea for the viewer because that wasn't really happening in real life. But for Claire, I mean, yeah, the story was coming through. That's really cool to hear. I mean, for the, okay, so for the creek scene, I never thought that there would be any issues. You know, it was on mm-hmm. some turnoff on the way to Topanga. It's like mm-hmm. on the way to Topanga, there was like this little dirt turnoff. I just knew that if we just filmed it, it would work. 
you know? And so, and I don't know how I knew that there was a creek there. <laughs> I was just, I just remember, I think I you remembered one, one like one time seeing it through the leaves. And I was just like, no one's going to bug us. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know? And then uh, it's funny because actually we were, I was just in a meeting with a, with a publicist and he was talking about how, like it seemed like we were so far away, but we really were only like a hundred meters away from the car. And that's the thing. Like, oh yeah. We were just mm-hmm. going in circles. Like it was a very small bit of territory that we were covering. Cause we didn't want to get lost. So mm-hmm. when I was editing it, I was just kind of like praying that it looked like we were going deeper and deeper into the woods when we were really just going around like 10 feet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean the Creek scene, I think the, the, all the all the acid trip stuff was actually the stuff that really um, might have been dicey. But once again, with clairvoyant, I mean, I just kept saying like it'll work itself out. Like mm-hmm. whatever mistake happened would just probably be a good thing for the movie. Any, mm-hmm. um, you know, we weren't supposed to do the creek scene. We had a whole thing planned, and then coronavirus happened. Mm-hmm. So instead, we were just like, what can we do that's good? Doesn't require just anyone us. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a creek scene. So, yeah. but the acid trip stuff, we, I had an hour to film that because we okay. were just, we, we made this movie for cheap. And mm-hmm. you can uh, rent some places to do for photo- photography and filming on an hourly basis on something called peerspace.com. Mm-hmm. And so we got the art gallery and we got this like, this one like girl's super duper cool, weird house yeah nylon like, <laughs> oh my gosh apartment <laughs> yeah like when we're not filming she goes back and she's like she i sleeps. saw her, i saw her bed i saw her makeup products i'm like okay this is someone's house right now yeah. but so, you know so we had an hour in there and an hour in the art gallery just to save on money and mm-hmm. so that those were the craziest things and they were amazing because i mean i was really just like doing commando flips with the camera like trying to go as fast as i possibly could like we mm-hmm. barely stopped recording and just like you know, like propping up the mirror and trying to get like an optical, like just all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. And those, those were tough, but even then they weren't tough. Like the art gallery scene, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was good for the performance. It was good for the energy. It was good for the mm-hmm. camera. I will say there was a lot of bugs in the Creek, which you, you can't tell on camera. And just as someone who Dude, Claire says doesn't, so. doesn't look, Oh, she did. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yep. Those were real bugs. Was, yeah. Was just, there was a ton of bugs down there. That's where they I've lived. I've never seen so many bugs in That's my life. That's where they live. Oh my gosh. That's their home. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really cool. I was going to like talk about the acid trip scene or the LSD trip scene because it was cool, but I definitely felt like, okay, if you were tripping, this is like the experience you would have and like the ambiance was perfect for that. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Taking it back to the creek scene, um, I don't know if this comes across, but you know when we park the car Mm -hmm. and then you just hear some like weird voice coming from one uh, car (laughs) path? Okay. Yes. That wasn't us. And that's what I mean by clairvoyance just does what it wants. Yeah, some guy just drove by and said, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. He just screamed at the top of his lungs. And I was like, that's good because I need the the feeling of being scared in a new place at this moment. And like, Mm -hmm. it made itself. It was crazy. And I think that was also kind of perfect because Claire's trying to have this like spiritual moment, like, oh my gosh, like I'm on this journey. And then you hear like the fuck you. <laughs> it's just like, okay, like disrupted <laughs> all of that. And yeah, I think that worked out perfectly, even though it was like unplanned. I actually I thought it was like part of the the film. Like cool to hear, but it was organic and it was really just I hope someone. That he finds the film. Like he's in that movie. Yeah. He, and he made that like, I thank him. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay, so I do want to talk about like how long did it actually take to create the film because of COVID and everything? 
COVID actually, it, for me, it helped because I, um, I, we, are, we had already filmed uh, most of the film prior to COVID. The only scene that we shot during COVID was the creek scene. So I just kind of took the first three months of quarantine and had that time to edit. So I was okay. one of the people that kind of was benefited by the time at home. Yeah, quarantine really was just um, primarily editing Clairvoyant and us watching Twilight and <laughs> Hunger Games and all the slew of the early 2010s post-apocalyptic yeah. uh, cinema lexicon. It was lexicon. the best phase of quarantine. Yes, we love that. And then you said a good joke about... I was like, there was that, and there was my phase where I tried to learn how to do the middle splits, which never ended up working <laughs> Oh my <out>. gosh. <laughs> I know. I had so many plans for the quarantine. Like, oh, I'm going to learn guitar. I'm going to do, like, all these things. And then, yeah, I kind of, like, end up watching um, all of the real world episodes and the simple <laughs> life <laughs> i was like okay i'm gonna watch the simple life right now and <laughs> so <laughs> but, whatever's fun <laughs> whatever's fun dude we started watching bachelor for the first time oh my god holy gosh. crap i'm well, not we there just yet watching... <laughs> no man i don't know if you should i mean You're it's not great that desperate. <laughs> honestly yeah anyways <laughs> so kind of talk to me about the budget for this film so you're kind of saying that you we had like that space for an hour was there kind of any more limitations that you had because of the budget uh reasons and um how did that also allow you to be more resourceful with creating this film yeah i mean clairvoyant exists on the back of it being low budget i think that's why it is the way it is and people enjoy that so that's good it was only made for like a few thousand dollars um that we just kind of uh scrounged together yeah and i wouldn't i really wouldn't have it any other way i think that if we had more money and it was more precise and planned and we had fancier cameras it wouldn't have the same like home video type of feel to it that it does uh mm -hmm. what do you think well i mean at first we we set out because okay you know you're in la the film industry is like, I cannot say that it's fully functional right now. And maybe it has not been since 2008. Maybe it has not been since, I don't know when, you know, mm -hmm. but it's in a weird spot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there's so not much money to be had. there's not a lot of investment money. There's not, you know, and everybody always talks that way about making a movie. They don't talk about making a movie. Like, I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. you get lost trying to find money for a movie that ends up being nothing anyway. Mm -hmm. And so then we were like, let's lean into our limitations. Let's make a movie. Because we tried so many times to make so many movies and it just wasn't working out. Mm -hmm. You know, we got this close and we had this person and that, and it just didn't work out. And so we were like, let's just make a movie specifically to the point where no one can say no, mm -hmm. where no one's going to get in our way and no one's going to be like, oh, maybe this idea. Nope. No, mm -hmm. no, no, no. It's just going to be you and me. And we're just going to, and it doesn't, no matter what, like we need to be able to build in the mistakes if anything goes wrong, which is just a mistake. I don't know why I said that, like just two <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, like we need to be able to build in all the flaws. Yeah. Like, so, and it made know. it a much less stressful experience too, because a lot of times in the plot, when something went wrong for Clara, that was just it going wrong for us. Like when Stream flaked, if you remember that scene, yeah. that was just... That was just because the actress flaked. Like, it, that, was, flaked. that was the third time we were trying to film it with her and she didn't show up. So we were like, I guess this is a part of the movie now. Mm -hmm. um, and having such a small budget allowed us to feel comfortable enough to be able to do that sort of stuff because we weren't too attached to having it be a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, even back to the creek scene again, like that part where 
Claire is going downstream instead of upstream. And then I turn the camera to look at the fact that there's like a little waterfall there. Mm -hmm. We didn't plan that. Mm -hmm. We didn't plan any of this stuff. And it just comes across, even in the camera movements, it comes across more genuine than mm -hmm. if we were like, okay, and the next, now I'm going to pan over. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. And so like the lack of budget and the fact that we just had nobody in our way was just, it was awesome. It was mm -hmm. very freeing. It was very freeing. Mm -hmm. Probably, I don't know. I'm always going to find a way to make a movie like that from now on because mm -hmm. you don't need these kinds of limitations in the film industry, especially in indie film. Mm -hmm. And I think this happens in life in general. People will put professional or stringent limitations on themselves when there are no governing bodies enforcing those limitations. There mm -hmm. is no reason to be that way mentally. There is no reason to be that way legally, mm -hmm. you know? And people just stop themselves from doing, I mean, I really think it's just resistance masquerading as mm -hmm. self-preservation because people will just, the number of times I have tried to get people to make an indie film and they find reasons like the opposite of what we did with Clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. to not do it. Um, countless. I mean, let me count them. Probably a dozen. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. legitimately got this close. Probably mm -hmm. a dozen. Why? You know, and Clairvoyant's so much better than all those other movies, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> you know, all those other movies I could have made, Clairvoyant was so much better because we leaned into it. Yeah. And the ether came through it. I don't know if the ether would have come through it. It's really great to be mm -hmm. able to confidently tell people that they can do what we did because... Mm -hmm. I, I would feel like an imposter if I had like a $100,000 budget and like a big production team and all this stuff. And then people were like, how did you do it? I'd be like, oh, it was like really hard. But it's really nice to be able to say to anyone that you can literally do what we did. Like I will stand by that, that anyone can make a movie and, you know, make it a feature movie and hopefully get it distributed. Because it was just like, you know, we didn't do anything crazy. So yeah. the mm -hmm. only thing we had behind us was like, the flow, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, that came like, I, I don't know, as, as crazy as it sounds, that came through a lot and uh, really, really cool. On the previous film before that, we had a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of people's egos. We had a lot of that stuff. And what you also discover is that not a lot of people want to make movies. Not really. Not mm -hmm. a lot of people want to be creative. Not really. Mm -hmm. But when you have enough, like you don't need a specialist at that job, you can probably figure it out. Mm -hmm. It really is not rocket science, you know, or Michaela's a savant. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She did edit the whole damn. And it was, it was like just, it was like nine hours of improv on every scene. Like she mm -hmm. just went for it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but it all worked out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And it just, everything just comes into alignment at the right time. And, you know, that's really cool. Um, and, you know, a lot of what you're saying kind of with my own creative experience working in the fashion industry in New York and like at my last job, there was too many cooks in the kitchen and it prevents you from really creating something purposeful. But when there's so much control and so much emphasis and too many people trying to control the situation, like you kind of lose what you're doing like in that process. So it's nice to hear that, you know, kind of shutting off the noise and just allowing yourself to just do it. And, you know, and I feel like we need more of that freedom in these creative spaces. I, I've noticed that the, the paradox of a lot of those people that we're talking about is that they explain away their blockage of your creativity by saying mm -hmm. that they we we can't waste time 
Normally, mm-hmm. it's a time. It's a time. It's thing. always a time thing. Mm-hmm. But I see them produce so much less than someone like you would, mm-hmm. someone like we did. You know, just on our own, they produce mm-hmm. so much less. Like that, that was the crazy it's an interesting thing. point. You're right. It is like a, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. But mm-hmm. then you end up losing the creative vision. Yeah, I mean, first mm-hmm. assistant and- directors are exactly. You know, not that this is a very film specific thing. I cut you off, dude. I'm gonna shut up. What were you gonna say? I'm getting too excited. Oh, no, 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 you can get excited. <laughs> I don't remember what I was gonna say. I think I was just agreeing. Like time when you're making a movie is just kind of a made up idea anyway. Like it's more important to to finish the movie and to make it everything you want to be than to save a couple hours at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of jobs in film and I'm sure there's a lot of jobs in fashion of people who pretend that it's their, their duty to make mm-hmm. sure that everybody goes home on time mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you stay within budget, you stay within, you know, this, that, and, and, and really it's just a power game really. Mm-hmm. They're just there to make sure that, like, that was the thing that took me so long to figure out. Everybody, oh, or most people are exactly where they want to be. And most people do not want your status to rise or many mm-hmm. other, or any, they don't want change mm-hmm. around exactly. them. Could, dude, it freaked me out. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I thought we were all here trying to go up. I didn't get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy because I'm, like, in this period of, like, leaving a very toxic job I was at for a year. And... Mm. Um, thank you. <laughs> but like <laughs> just having this realization of like, oh my gosh, like people like to be surrounded by like low vibration people. They don't like leaders or people who, you know, have new ideas. And it's just like a lot of people are very comfortable with mediocrity and, you know, what they create from that mentality is just so little than what you can create when you like allow people to level up or you really cherish their talents and their, um, their skills. And yeah, like in a lot of the creative spaces, it's just like, we're pretending like we're saving lives. And Exactly. It's about enjoying the process. And if you're constraining that process too much, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Well, also yeah. that's an ingredient of what we're selling. Like at the end of the day, people want to put your clothes on because it makes them have fun or mm-hmm. makes them feel good. People want to watch the movie because it's fun and it makes mm-hmm. them feel good. If everybody, if at the very beginning before the things even made, all the people making it are having no fun, yeah. it's not going to be there. The ingredient is just literally not present mm-hmm. to be, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely feel like you can sense the energy of something and you know, it's like, okay, you can sense if something was forced or something like was, you know, no one was on the same page. You can just feel that out. So definitely with Clairvoyant, I feel like this organic, just really good flowy energy, which is why I was really attracted to the film, not only just as a spiritual person, but why I'm also telling other people too, because you just feel like good and it's like fun and it's not something that you're forced and pressured. Like, I don't know, the energy you can definitely tell is really good of the film, so... Thank you. Yeah, I definitely feel like films kind of have a mind of their own, especially and clairvoyant is what taught me that like, I started referring to clairvoyant as she just because I'm like, this is its own thing. I'm like, she will do what she wants to do. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just she just like, I started to breathe so much life into the movie like that we weren't controlling. So yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that the vibe was there. The energy was there. And you see that when you're watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the movie, it's done. It's edited. So what's the next steps to try to get it out into like people's screens? Like, was that like a huge process to try to, I don't know really how it works. um, I'm not in this industry, but to kind of like get it to like other people or like other networks. 
It wasn't that hard, actually, because we had already known the distributor who who picked up Clairvoyant because of his previous film, American Bistro. Uh, so a lot of the hustling actually happened the last time around. So mm-hmm. this time we just had a good relationship with them and we sent over the trailer and they're like, this looks really funny. Let's do it. So it was actually, <laughs> it was very easy. Um, but, you know, that was thanks to all the work that he had put in previously um, and that I had put in as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you had put in, you did that. If you hadn't been there, then we wouldn't have done half. We wouldn't have done it. We just wouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah. So it was thanks to that film. And, and then we had that connection. It was, it was not hard at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and with the way that it worked the first time, I guess, because that's sort of the answer to the question is, um, yeah, we did a lot of, we did a lot of grifty, ethereal. Emails. We just email everyone. We emailed. That's, that's our MO for everything. A lot of people mm-hmm. are happy to find talent or whatever, or just like give you help. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people even, and sometimes the higher up they are, the more they want to help. Um, so it was easy to just, you know, email folks and, you know, we went to the American film market and your vibe's really good. Uh, yeah, we just so. ran around the American <laughs> film market. It was so fun. It was a full weekend of just like walking into all these rooms of these distributors and we felt so fancy and so like business oriented. And we were like, please buy our film. And they all said no, but it was totally <laughs> fun. And eventually it worked out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, do you plan on like releasing it in any film festivals at all or what's kind of I guess your plan for clairvoyant now that it's out um well I wish we could say yes to that it didn't really get into film festivals which is it's fine you know that's the journey of the film um but yeah it didn't get into film festivals but we're really just trying to get the word out I mean we're we're trying to get more publicists on it, anyone who like really responds well to it and thinks that they know what to do with it because I think that it has a longer shelf life and I really mm-hmm. think that it could reach a lot of people. So we're kind of figuring that out too. Yeah, yeah. Like right before I came on here, I was on the phone with some publicists who were talking about sort of doing, treating our, um, we're going to go into a free streaming expansion. So basically either on Amazon or Hulu, we're in mm-hmm. talks with them we will become available to all of their subscribers for free. Okay. Uh, so super duper low barrier of entry um, if you already have a subscription with them. And we're going to use that to kind of catapult way more press because we didn't think film festivals, and I don't know if we, it really does appear to be a bad film on purpose, but I don't know if a lot of film festival programmers knew that it was the on purpose part. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they will have to watch so much trash. You know, they have to go through so many thousands movies, of thousands of films that are probably egotistical, like, you know, pet mm-hmm. projects, just like Claire's initial thing, you know? So they might have just, I mean, I think that they really did just think it was real. Mm-hmm. All, and, and I also think that I, we triggered a couple of people who take themselves very ser- seriously in the spiritual community, uh, thinking of a couple uh, <laughs> who just like, I think it, they just didn't like it. I think it was just too, too much. To mm-hmm. It was too close to home for, for some specific people I'm thinking about because, you know. Um, so yeah, so f- festivals didn't work out. We didn't think, we thought, man, we made a movie that we like. Mm-hmm. Nobody else likes it that much. No big deal, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know. And then the fan reaction started happening. And then people like yourself, just like were super open to it, completely understood everything, completely took all the value out of it that we wanted you to take. Mm-hmm. And then the press started happening. And we got 
nothing but positive reviews from critics. Mm-hmm. So we were yeah, like, so we were like, maybe this doesn't suck. Yeah, we, we were for like, a second there. What the hell? I was okay. worried for a second there when it didn't get into any film festivals, but yeah. So we've only got you know we got great stuff from uh, uh, Fox from Phil Villa, like critics, Film Threat, like we got really mm-hmm. good reviews. So we were like, now we're talking to uh, some big publicists about treating that September 20th date where it mm-hmm. becomes free for a lot of people as like our unofficial re-release date. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just push it as hard as we can mm-hmm. to as many people as we can mm-hmm. um, and try to get, yeah, more, 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 more. So more people can see it because people, they like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I was like really surprised Um I was like, oh, I thought I was going to be like in a festival or something like that. And like, so it's kind of great to hear that like it's growing, the momentum is growing and it, it kind of happened maybe like in an opposite way in a sense too. <laughs> so word of mouth is growing. One of the publicists was like, so this is basically like a summer sleeper hit, which is not mm-hmm. something I ever thought we would talk about in that mm-hmm. way, but You're we like, have so yes. many people. <laughs> I'm like, yes, because yeah, mm-hmm. we, have, we have thousands of people watching and reviewing it now and it's working out. So mm-hmm. I think that we could go with that angle, you know? Yeah, I mean, what do we have now? Like 7.6 on IMDb from like 1,000 some people. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really yeah. cool. Like, so what was one of your favorite scenes in Clairvoyant? Ooh, my favorite. Okay, I didn't actually, I had never been asked this question before. I don't think, at least I don't remember being asked it. Um, the first scene, scene that came to mind for me was the bliss scene. Okay. Um, yeah, just because we had rented out that it was another person's apartment. Like they they lived there, and when we were shooting the scene in their living room, they just like went upstairs and smoked some weed with their roommates. Like they were they were living in the house as we were shooting. Um, but it was just like crazy. She had all those candles. We lit all of them. It was super terrifying. I thought the place was gonna burn down, but it is such a strong, spooky vibe. Like she had mm-hmm. just she had the skulls everywhere and all these like cool artifacts and obviously the actress that I was in the scene with was so good that's Emily again from acting class and I just remember as Claire I was super spooked by Emily like she was just being really spooky <laughs> I don't know. it was just such a fun scene for me mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my favorite scene because <laughs> she took it so seriously like she was like death it is not quite like death but something similar I'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah I definitely I did get some like spooky chill vibes like watching that so <laughs> yeah that was cool. my favorite <laughs> a little known thing it's known by like you wouldn't expect it Michaela's we haven't been able to come up with a horror movie idea for Michaela but I know that's your dream yeah my favorite genre is horror so I was really like milking the the few spooky moments that we had mm-hmm. like out with the with the medium as well like Claire was trying to make that really scary but it wasn't scary like <laughs> it was just a girl's apartment <laughs> Not scary, but, yeah yeah but yeah the creek scene was a little I mean there was some vibes like that could have like had a dark turn for sure or like when you were like going through like the tunnels it kind of like gave like a little eeriness too so you know little hints <laughs> yeah it was definitely I forced sprinkle it in there <laughs> honestly I'm just out so the creek scene was originally supposed to be um a cult of uh, Buddhists who were using demonic, what was it? They were using demonic sacrifice to extend their lives so they never had to deal with the repercussions of reincarnation. Um, It was a whole fucking thing. But then coronavirus happened. But then coronavirus happened, which was good. And so like, that's why there's like this element of spooky, like the, Mm -hmm. the shining vibe. 
because we were really going to go for it. Um, which is good because it would have completely jumped the shark. It would mm-hmm. ruin the movie, probably. Completely ruined the film. It would have ruined the film. It would have ruined the film, hands down. Um, and the creek scene is so much better. Is that your favorite scene? No, my favorite scene was Pedro. Oh, Pedro. No, Pedro is my favorite scene. Because Pedro is like, you know, at that so point, realistic. we had done, uh, we, we had successfully done your interviews. We'd done, what had we done by then? We'd done the yoga scene, right? We did a couple, you know. We shot Pedro closer to the end, actually. We shot Pedro. Yeah, Pedro's my favorite because Pedro just... Yeah, sorry. No, no. That scene was supposed to only be one shot of him. It was supposed to be Claire saying something ridiculous and then just a reaction shot of Pedro. But once we sat down and started doing the scene with him, he was so good that we kept like a two-minute scene in. Yeah, because Pedro sums up a lot of the philosophy of what I wanted to put in the film, which is that Claire... And a lot of people in LA have these ideas about like, even like a Native American person. And Pedro's just a dude. He's like super cool and he's lived a lot of life and he went to college and he did all these different things and he did learn about, about, you know, I mean, about spirituality and about like Eastern philosophy. And he did all this stuff and it was exactly what I wanted. And I didn't mm-hmm. brief him, I didn't tell him <laughs> at all. I didn't tell him a thing and it was so cool. To see that just so perfectly realized, it was like a dream happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. Love that! I love shooting that scene. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and it was and also I had to I like had bite marks on my fist because I kept laughing so much. I yeah. had to like muffle it. <laughs> Man, that was great. Yeah, and it, that was a really funny scene. It's like crazy though because so many people like think how Claire thinks. Like when it comes to, you know, they, they don't really maybe know the difference between Native American and Indian. Like, you know, so it's, it was kind of like, okay, like this is relatable for some people because they honestly probably don't know. No, and then yeah. like those, those two, like they also were able to, without being told to do it, turn that sort of exchange into like a who's on first thing. Mm-hmm. Very like, yeah. It was crazy, <laughs> dude. I... It could not have gone better. I love the Pedro scene. I love the, all the scenes, but man, that Pedro scene surprised the heck out of me. Yeah, that <laughs> was we were awesome. Both, we were both just trying to not be impolite, so it was just getting extended, 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 extended. Like he wasn't, he wasn't being rude to Claire, so it ended up there was a lot of comedy that came from he him. He barely ever impolite. got frustrated. Like it was like his level of patience that was so fun to watch as well. No, it was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, there was so many like great scenes. One of my favorites was when you were was it like Koreatown? Was that what it was? Or yeah, um, you know, <laughs> the, like the words and it was like graffiti. I thought that was like <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, and then I loved the pendulum scene because I also do pendulum readings, and um, it's interesting, like because a lot of my clients, um, they're this like their first time using pendulums too. So like my practice is a little bit different than what was in the film, but it was just interesting. It's like, you would expect it to be like, oh, we're going to connect with a ghost or something, or someone's going to come in right away. And like, no, it doesn't always happen. And you have to be like Pacific, like who you want to talk to. And yeah, so that was like really funny. Thank you. Yeah, no, Claire wanted to talk to ghosts, but then she didn't have any ghosts to talk to. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a little irony. There's like this one part to that that I really, really love. And it's, it's also a little sad because like, so Claire, which revealed has like that trauma with her grandma dying. And really that just set off an existential death fear mm-hmm. in her. But also when she's doing pendulum medium readings, literally the girls do is like, do you have any relatives that you want to talk to? Mm-hmm. And Claire just is like, no, 
I don't like there is nobody like mm-hmm. she like as if she has no dead relatives whatsoever and she's completely alone in like the lo- bloodline of existence of Claire <laughs> and like I just I don't Only know like Claire. it's so funny to me that like she just and like so her grandma's I don't know like she just doesn't put two and two together Mm-hmm. God damn it! That she doesn't consider her grandma a ghost, maybe because ghosts are spooky, and her grandma was like a person. I, I think it's, no, yeah, you're right. There must be an element like that, man. I don't know. That's the only thing I like about Claire Warren is that Claire always has a good reason in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, even in her like mistakes and stuff, she's always she never means bad. I don't know. You man. respect the. I love Claire Yeah, I, I respect the character very much. <laughs> yeah, it's just like something like so pure and like the innocence and like oh, you know, the discovery. But then it's like you know, then an EVD to it. So, but yeah, I do remember that part. I was like, oh, really? There's no one that she like wants to <laughs> talk to. Like really, but um, and the pendulum yeah. started doing its thing on its own. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm for the witchy vibes pendulum started working for real and every time i ever have a pendulum reading i still react like someone seeing a magician on the street i'm Mm -hmm. still like no way no how would you do like to this day i still can't believe that shit works yeah but it's, even, all it's so crazy yeah even for myself too i'm just like oh my god like i'm not moving this like it's so creepy sometimes and like you know um i have like certain guys that i connect to on the regular like i've made relationships with them and some of them are family members that have passed that either i've met in this life where i haven't and i verified them with like my grandma or like you know some of my other family members like here and it's just so crazy like i'll get like repeat some of my ancestors that come in and it's just like, okay, like I used to be like terrified because I'm like, oh my God, this is moving on its own and we're like having a conversation. And then now I'm like, okay, like we're cool. So yeah, it's the pendulum is like really, um, it's kind of freaky, but it's really cool. So um, that is so cool. Yeah. What are kind of like the next steps with, for this film, do you plan on ever like having like a sequel to it like you know what did claire like try to do like after with more of her journey or like i guess have you kind of thought about that continuing claire's story well people have asked about sequels multiple times which i i guess i find that to be a big honor because everyone thinks it's it's good enough to have the story live on but i think um i think Claire's not coming back. <laughs> oh, no. Just, yeah, no, it's so sad. Uh, I just think that having her learn her lesson at the end and kind of coming to some sort of, like, conclusion um, was enough. And and I don't want to see Claire out in the world being, like, that naive again and that silly because I feel like it would take away from what she learned at the end of this film. But we will be making other films, yeah, I'm so sad, Aww. like, hearing you say that. As like, I put myself in the position of someone who didn't work on the film and who just, like, just watched it. And that made me really sad, because, like, I think the thing that everybody responds to is just, like, they do want to see more of you out there being confronted with more challenges and learning about life. And, like, you know, like, you're a fun guide to have when it comes to a lot of that stuff. And so, yeah, I am actually super-duper bummed. But it's true. There's not much. I mean, she, Claire in universe had to watch her like edit her own um film mm-hmm. you know technically speaking like claire within the story was the one who watched all that footage and mm-hmm. saw herself and saw how silly she is mm-hmm. and saw her be offensive and didn't really understand it at the time because she had anxiety or something or didn't really understand like how she was coming across and and then she learned and mm-hmm. yeah i mean putting her back in that place would just be 
devolving. Yeah, like undoing the change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though you only sit with new Claire for like a minute, you mm -hmm. know? That's the thing, I think. You know, you don't really get to know her. She, she doesn't even let you get to know her a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's very sad. It's very sad. <laughs> we never thought about it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so are you working on any films right now that you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. We have, um, you know, we caught the filmmaking bug, so we just kind of can't <laughs> stop. We literally made a film, like, we turned around probably three months after Claire yeah. White was done. And, and I, did, I did not see it coming, but I was just like, it was kind of the tail end of, or it was in the middle of coronavirus. And I was like, I need to make another movie. So I wrote a script in like a week and we, we filmed that and we're editing it right now. It's already, I already edited it once. I did the first pass through. Um, and hopefully it'll be out in, you know, within the next year, it'll definitely be done within a few months. Two it, weeks. It's called Remy and Arletta. And that's the next one for us. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, you know, it's going to be good. It's exciting. I mean, yeah, you already had the rough cut and it's already good. It's a very different vibe. It's like... It's, uh, it's a 180, which I yeah. think is, is 180. Yeah, yeah, a 180. A 180. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's completely different from Claremont, which is good for us to, you know, keep things fresh. Yeah, it's like a high school drama. Um, it's like really... I, the, it's got a vibe to it that I really like. And I'm not going to spoil anything, don't worry. But it's just about like that feeling of being really powerless and lost when you're in, when you're at that age, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it is. And like trying to eke out whatever fun you can amongst all those authority figures. And when you have so little at your, at, at your disposal. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's about friendships and, you know, there's kind of some romance in there. So yeah, it's very different, but very different. we like it a lot yeah. as well. <laughs> That sounds like a cool vibe. I'm actually watching Freaks and Geeks right now, the first time, because actually um, the writer went to my high school in Michigan, uh, Chippewa Valley. Oh. So I was like, oh, I need to like watch this because this is like an iconic show. And yeah, I, I definitely, it brought me back to high school and like those feelings. And it's oh, so- Oh, that's cool. So, I need yeah. to watch Freaks and Geeks. I haven't, I haven't seen I that. I would say that actually it's a lot like that. Like that anti-climax sort of, yeah, we've got a lot of that going on. We, there's a little bit of DNA in there of the same kind of thing of like just mm -hmm. exactly that. Like you think it'll be a certain way and it's not. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that in movies. Yeah, me too. I have to uh, keep my ear out for when the film comes out. That sounds amazing. We'll just tell you straight up. Yeah, yeah. yeah just tell me straight up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully there'll be maybe a film premiere, maybe in New York or something. That'll be really cool. I'm going to you know, put that will... out there. I will say this. We love New York, yeah. so we're going to try to find any way to... I'm going to say this about Clairvoyant. We're all in talks about possibly doing um, a theater premiere to beca because you have to do it to qualify for certain reviews from the Times. Mm -hmm. New York Times and LA Times might be way more into doing a review of the film if we do a theater premiere. Mm -hmm. And so... Who knows? Maybe in a week or two, you know? You don't have to watch it again, but you can just show up for the party. I don't know. I'll <laughs> yeah, let you know. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Let me know. <laughs> um, what does support look like for you, and how can we best support you at this time? Well, if anyone likes our movies, then to watch them. Honestly, that's it. Like, I'm not going to tell you to watch them if you don't like them. <laughs> but, like, watching them really is the only thing I can think of. I mean, fo following us on Instagram to see when things are coming out. Um, I mean, leaving a review. 
would be good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on Amazon or on IMDb or on Letterboxd. So those help. Uh, yeah, if you, have, <laughs> if you have something nice to say and you want to say it, then IMDb and Amazon and Letterboxd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Just watch the films, guys. I promise anyone that's listening to this that Clairvoyant is good. <laughs> I know that's crazy. That's my parting words. <laughs> that's crazy to say, but like, if you open your up, if you open your mind up to it, you don't even have to do that that much. It's you good. believe in it. Well, yeah. no, that that does mean something coming from Arthur because he he. Because I, I hate like American film. Bistro. Don't watch American Bistro. <laughs> okay. There you go. I don't <laughs> like my previous film. I have taste. <laughs> I don't like that previous film. Yeah, so, yeah. Objectivity. Yeah, I have objectivity. Exactly. <laughs> as much as I can. Okay. Well, awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, both of you, for talking about Clairvoyant and the process. And it was just so much fun having you both on. And um, I'm going to share your links for social media and the film and the show notes. And just thank you so much again. I'm excited to see how Clairvoyant does and also for the film that's coming up. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This has been awesome. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.